You're listening to Footy Ado, a delusional soccer podcast, and this story is called The First Call. Back in the summer of 2016, I was the lead play-by-play broadcaster for the PDL club, the Ocean City Nor'easters. The Nor'easters have been competing since 1997, but even though they play a short 45-minute drive from where I lived my whole life, I hadn't discovered the club until January of that same year. Fast forward four and a half months to late May, and we were set to get the season underway. Not only was there a lot of pressure on me heading into the first broadcast of the season to make it go well, but I was trying to figure out whether or not this was really the career path I wanted to pursue. Not many people have the opportunity as a junior in college to be calling soccer play-by-play and to get paid doing it. The first game of the season was an inter-squad friendly, and this gave us a chance to test our system out, just like it gave the players a chance to uh, test things out on the field. It was the first time I had led something this big um, without any oversight, without any help. I was the main guy. Well, I'll have you know, we did not get on the air until the 20th minute because the setup we had did not even come close to working. Everything pregame worked perfectly. We tried to get on the air and nothing even came close. The internet connection cut out. We tested it before the game and it cut out right as we tried to get on air. This was an absolute nightmare. But with a lot of hard work, two and a half months later, I was on the live call for the national semifinal that ran perfectly, and I was also doing it with one of my best friends and former co-host of our old pod, Sal. Sal uh, and I ran the penalty spot from WLFR, which is where we broadcasted this games, and this was a, a great chance for us, two kids in college, to run a live broadcast for a national semifinal that plenty of people were tuning into. I hope one day I get the chance to do this again because it was one of the most fun times I've ever had. Not a second of this felt like work except for that first nightmare broadcast. So, footy ado, a delusional soccer podcast. We are set to go through the 20 Premier League clubs and uh, name the one thing that we like about this club and almost a reason why someone should support this club. Um... We split it up, 10 teams per person, Um, and the way it's going to work is, as Jared is a Chelsea supporter, I have taken Chelsea, and with me being an Arsenal fan, he will take them. But we start with Manchester City. Um, This is a club who had ups and downs and then got a lot of money drilled into them uh, fairly recently. The thing I like about Man City is, and this is this is kind of tough to say during a week where they're being investigated for financial fair play, but they are doing whatever it takes to win. Now, I had come up with that, that one thing I liked before this, and kind of with the background, everyone knows that they're not really following the rules, but they take, they do whatever it takes to put the best product on the field and they have been one of the top teams in England for the past decade. Okay, good, good, good start. I, I think that's a, it's a solid, it's a solid uh, thing to say about Manchester City. But it's basically what their identity has become. So, I guess, and also to, to go on to your story, it looks good to see we got Sal in it. Sal's been in both of our stories. A little quick reference to Sal. Um, and you mentioned 
uh, audio trouble, which is something this podcast has never dealt with. We've never actually had any any audio problems recording this podcast. Yeah, that that's just ridiculous to think that we would have audio problems. No, but <laughs> the thing is, the thing is for us. So everything works smoothly for you in the pregame for the Nor'easters game, whereas us, we call each other and try to set everything up, and then we don't start recording until an hour later after we finally figure everything out. Exactly. We we plan to start recording, and then an hour later is when we actually start recording. So <laughs> that's how it always goes. Um, but uh, we'll do the next one, which is Liverpool. So basically, what this this whole podcast is gonna gonna be, as Zach said, we're gonna try and just go through and let's start like our favorite things about each team, and it's also a helpful guide to you if you're not big into soccer. We can kind of maybe give you one little reason to to like a certain team in in the Premier League. Hopefully, we don't trick you into liking a team that's gonna go down at the end of the season. But uh, you don't have to worry about that. I have the bottom four. <laughs> uh, it also should be said, I. Considering, I was I was hoping you were going to say when when you started introducing everything, uh, Jared, the Chelsea fan, so I took them, and I am an Arsenal fan, so Jared took both Arsenal and Tottenham. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> uh, but for Liverpool, I'm going to go with. I, I struggle with this one. I think leading up to it, I wanted to pick Jurgen Klopp. Uh, we talked a little bit about him in our last pod and in our delusion of the week, but I, I decided to, to veer away from that. Uh, and I think my favorite thing about Liverpool, especially right now, are their fullbacks, Andy Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold, both uh, young players who've come into the team. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, who kind of came up in the Liverpool system, Andy Robertson, they got from Paul, but they're, they're young players who were given the chance by their manager and, they have proven to be um, the best fullback combo uh, in the league, arguably. So they, they're, they're my uh, number one choice. Yeah, who would have thought that when Andy Robertson signed from Hull that uh, he would be as big of a piece to this team? But he's definitely <laughs> better than Alberto Moreno. Yeah, well, you look at it, too. Um, they had Nathaniel Klein, who was... A very solid option for them uh, at either fullback position, and he got injured, and both of these guys got a chance, and now Klein is playing at Bournemouth, whereas these guys are playing the second place team. And you know, just look at Alexander Arnold's been injured. Liverpool struggled. His first game back, he had three assists. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. The only thing I'll say, I I know that you mentioned that they're a great fullback pairing, but. Uh, not acceptable to have your two starting fullback squad numbers uh, equaling 92. That they're going to need to work on. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Is it, is your fullback pairing, like, the, what's the highest number your fullback pairing's uh, number should equal? Like, seven? I, I mean, ideally it's five, because you'll have the one of them wearing two, one of them wearing three, but um, right. clearly doesn't work out that way, but... If you're going higher than 40, that's when you're getting into like, all right, this is just unacceptable. Maybe we sell the whole club, liquidate, because our fullback numbers are too high. And that's, sir, why I don't run a football club. Um, so with you having both North London clubs, I have both Manchester clubs. Um, so 
The uh, second of those, Manchester United. The thing I like about them, which and there's a lot of a lot to like about this club. There's a lot to not like about this club, um, but it's their dedication to the academy. Eighty, oh, it's been eighty one and a half years. That in uh, all the way back in uh, nineteen thirty eight on October thirtieth, they named an academy graduate in their match day squad. And ever since that day, every single match day, they have named an academy graduate in their 18-man squad. They have not missed a single game doing so. That record is absolutely ridiculous. Over 80 years in a row, and you've got an academy graduate. Now, um, I know yeah, that that just shows, you know, you look back, you know, the class of 92, they, they have some of the best players that they brought through the squad. That academy at, at Manchester United is second to none. Um, and you're seeing the benefits of it right now with a former academy graduate, uh, currently the manager, and they just got through to the quarterfinal in the Champions League when no one expected them to. So that is my thing uh, to like about Manchester United. And it's on to you for Spurs. Now, I don't know how you came up with something. But I'm interested to hear it. I was the one who was tasked with it, with the job. Um, And funnily enough, I know you wouldn't be able to think of anything for Spurs, but my idea, the idea that I had for this podcast came from a thought that I had, and it was actually based on my favorite thing about uh, Spurs. So um, I forget what game I was watching. Uh, It was one of their recent games. It might have been, it might have been against Chelsea. Uh, but it would, uh, Sun Heung-min came off, uh, got substituted in this whatever, like 60s or something. And I don't remember when it was, but whenever he gets subbed off or subbed on, they always cut to a South Korean fan in the stands, like a, uh, with a South Korean flag. And I think that is something that's, is really interesting. Something that's really special that, um, the game has spread that far. The premier league fan, uh, fan base has spread as far as South Korea, and that you know this uh, this group of fans can have a team that they really get behind because there's a player that's really special to them, and also uh, a great talent. So that's my favorite thing about uh, Tottenham. We won't dwell on this. We'll move on to the next one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you so, cannot say anything positive about Tottenham. Can you? I I could if I really really wanted to. So we move on to Chelsea, and now this is, I'd say a couple of years ago, it would be almost tougher to say something good about Chelsea. Ever since they got rid of Jose Mourinho, a different club in my mind, completely transformed. I loved Antonio Conte, hated how well they did in the league, hated that they won the league so easily with Conte. But I loved the. I miss it, you. It, <laughs> it was a, a complete transformation from me thinking their manager was my least favorite to being probably my favorite that wasn't the manager of Arsenal. And at that point, it was late in the Arsene Wenger era, so they were kind of close. Um, but with Chelsea, I like how 
they with and now this is somehow changing because Maurizio Sarri is still around, but their um their willingness to shake things up to win trophies. Now I said that Man City, you know, they're they're kind of similar clubs where um money came into the club, they and it just propelled them forward and obviously Yeah, they're new they're new money for sure. Yeah. Um and obviously Chelsea um got a Champions League final because got a Champions League trophy because of that. Um and uh but their willingness to sack managers is something that as an Arsenal fan I don't necessarily like how often it, it gets done. I don't think that that's the best thing for stability. Um but look at the trophies that you've won. Like I said, Champions League, you won the Europa League the next season. Um, FA Cups here and there, um, winning Premier League titles with all these different managers. And as a fan, you you have frustrating years where you finish 10th, but you got rid of Mourinho, yet Goose Hitting carries the team towards the end of the season, and then the next season you win the, you win the league. So um, I think their willingness to part ways with managers is, has helped you win as much as it as you guys have. Yeah, it certainly has had a negative effect in some areas, but I think I think what um, what really comes across as a positive thing is uh, it, they've set a very high standard for themselves and for their men. I think that's what's really allowed them to be the most successful England team in the past fifteen years. And now, now I'm excited to hear what you have to say about the uh, the good side of North London. Uh, so this one was probably one of the hardest. This is a hard one for me to do, especially today. It, dude, today. come on! It would be a hard one for me to do. Um, if if, if listen, if if a fan, if someone says. I, listen, I want to get into the Premier League. Who is the team to get into? I'm not. There's a zero percent chance I'm saying Arsenal. I would okay. not, I, unless I didn't like the person. I wouldn't put my closest friends through that. <laughs> okay, so are you ready? So I have a couple different ways to say this. I'll give you my uh, my joke answer first. My joke answer is Arsenal fan TV. <laughs> no, uh, uh, but but in all seriousness, I think Arsenal have one of the best. Um, interactive uh, fan cultures in England. And I think that they have, I think obviously in the past couple seasons, it's led to excellent banter on Twitter and, you know, on Arsenal fan TV specifically. But I think they have a great interactive, uh, interactive culture with their fans. I think their fans uh, are very vocal and they have, it's something that's as a, as an American fan, of the, of the Premier League, it's very attractive because there's a lot of exposure to that club and to everything that goes on with it. So that's that's probably my favorite thing about Arsenal. I think that's fair. Um, you know, you see things like Arsenal Fan TV, which Arsenal Fan TV, in my opinion, got uh, got their traction and their their success is down to the unsuccessfulness of the club they support because. <laughs> It's a lot more fun to watch old grown men yelling like children when their team loses than it is to say, "Oh yeah, we played another great match, three points. All right, I'm headed home happy." That's not yeah. that's not good TV. That's not good content. 
Um, Long live blood fam. Uh, blood fam, blood fam, blood fam. <laughs> Nothing's better than that video where they take out every single word except for blood fam. Um, I could watch that over and over again because it's st- it's still like it's song. still like two and a half minutes long. Oh my god! And the interview was only two forty five. Um, so now we're going to move on. We're out of the big six now. It's on to Everton. Um, (laughs) um, Everton, I like that this is a club who, um, who has players there with longevity, um, and they bring through the values of this club. You have... Now, no matter how bad he is, but you, Phil Jagielka, the captain of the club, has been there for a while. You have Leighton Baines, players like Seamus Coleman. Um, a lot of good fullbacks playing in Merseyside. Um, but I I like that they instill the tradition of Everton Football Club into the squad, and it's, it's something that they want to keep through and through. Now, I know that there's been talk over recent years about Everton leaving Goodison Park and I think that would be the worst thing for them because I think that that ground um, at least from my perspective I've obviously never been there but from my perspective is one of the best in the country it's a one of your old style football grounds it's not one of the modern ground like I, I don't like West Ham's move to the London Stadium where when you're sitting in one of the when you're sitting in a what you would think is a decent seat, the players look like ants. Um, so I'd be worried about that for Everton. But I like how they, um, how they have players who you know come through. How they, they have a good mix of, um, a good mix of youth players coming in like Dominic Calvert Lewin, and uh, a little bit of the old guard. It's it's one of those that like it you know, obviously your first trip to England, your the first place you're going is Stanford Bridge and for me the Emirates. But then when you think, Okay, what stadium would I want to see second in that and Everton at Goodison Park has a, a good shout. It's in the it's in the conversation I'd say with like old Trafford, Anfield, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, certainly, certainly for me it's number one out of the uh out of the top six, um, when okay. you when you don't take into consideration the rest of the the big six there. Yeah. Um, so Wolves. Um, my favorite my favorite thing about Wolves is has been their ambition coming into the the Premier League. Uh, I I think they well they got some. I believe they had a new owner a couple of years ago while they were still in the Championship. They put a lot of money, poured a lot of money into the club. Uh, it showed their ambition that they weren't they weren't uh, long for the lower division. They were they were destined to get to the Premier League, and they are now favorites to qualify. One of the favorites to qualify for Europa League, uh, and I think that's down to how the club's been managed, the purchases they've made, purchases like uh, Ruben Neves, John um, Moutinho, you know. Uh, Rui Patricio, players like that that they've brought in. But also down, I, I also really love what uh, Nuno Espirito Santo has done with this team. I, they And and what the club has been able to do uh, by getting him these players is they could come into the 
championship and or they can come from the championship and say, you know, we're going to play uh, our football. We're going to play attacking football and we're not going to uh, suffer due to the fact that the competition is better because we're going to get better and we're going to impose ourselves uh, in the Premier League what they've done this season. Yeah, I like that. Um, for me, you know, we're obviously I'm going to I, I have Fulham on my list, um, so we're going to get to that later, but to <laughs> Wolves and Fulham. Wolves is the successful version of Fulham. Um, they both tried similar ways of going at it in the Premier League this season, and it's worked well for one of them, like you said, on the brink of European qualification, while the other one is uh, scraping down at the bottom. So... Um, a lot to like about Wolves. I think they're going to be hanging around in the Premier League for, for quite a, a long time now. Um, and then that takes us to Bournemouth. Uh, up the cherries. I This is one of, the, one of those clubs that, you know, unless they're playing your team, you want to see them win. Um, yeah, Eddie, been, they, they endeared themselves to us, I'd say, as soon as they made it to the Premier League. And they've lasted longer than I think anyone could have expected. Yeah, Ed, what uh, a great job Eddie Howe has done with this club. Um, I <laughs> Something, you know, like where we talk, I talked about the ground that Everton play at, you know, we, you know, places like Old Trafford and whatnot, but the Vitality Stadium, 11,000 seat, seats in that, in that stadium. Um, give or take, and they have still found a way to stay in the Premier League as long as they have. Um, Eddie Howe was there, left, came back. When he took control of this team, they were, I think, 91st out of 92 clubs in the Football League, and then, you know, it. I think there was like a, a five- or six-year period of um, them finishing the highest that they ever had in club history. So whether that's, you know, finishing wherever in the championship, getting promoted, getting promoted to the Premier League, then they finish 16th, and the next year they finished even higher. Um, they they have just continued to excel. Now, they are one of those teams that's a little bit inconsistent, but they don't let that uh, affect them. They Take it match by match, and when they go through spells of consistency or inconsistency, um, it it doesn't completely derail their season. They're a team that's now sitting in twelfth. Um, yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while since they've been a part of a relegation conversation. Yeah, and you know, last season they started pretty poorly, um, and we thought, okay, maybe maybe that that honeymoon phase is over, but they're. They're nine points ahead of the drop zone with nine games to play. Although right now they're going through a spell of inconsistency, I don't see them having any any struggles um, staying in the league this season. And you know, for me, the thing you know, their commitment to the young English manager is something to love about this club. They they have given him the reins, and you know, he's not they're they're not spending all the money in the world. Um, but they're living within their means, and it's gotten them to to this point. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, in a couple seasons they're starting to try to make that push like to where a club like Wolves is, even without all that money being injected into them. They're not too many spots away right now. They're, they're 
like I said, they're nine points above the drop. They're also nine points behind Wolves for that uh, spot in the Europa League. But um, I I would expect them to gain nine points and get into uh, Europa League in a few seasons that, instead of going the opposite direction and uh, being part of an uh, of unsuccessful season and getting relegated. Now I want to clarify. Vitality Stadium. Because you said a lot of stuff. So I, I said a what, lot. What is, I said a lot. Um, what is your? Because I'm trying to write. I'm writing down everything. And I before you even started talking, I wrote down Eddie Howe. I crossed it out. Of Vitality Stadium. It's is it's that, it's their commitment to the young English manager Eddie Howe. Okay. 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 Doesn't seem like that's what you said, but I'll write that back down. You're lying, but I'll take it. All right. Time Watford. for Watford. Um, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go on the player route for this one. I'm going to pick a player. Probably that's my favorite part of it. I have two separate ones that I was in between. Um, I'll probably just end up saying both of them. Uh, Troy Deeney has been with the club for a while. He He's synonymous with Watford at this point. I think he... Uh, what he brings to that club is, is, I don't really, I mean, it's, it's interesting. He's a very, he's, I don't know, he's a very interesting player. He's one of those players who, you know, he scored against Chelsea one year and flipped off the fans. He, you know, he, he scored that wonder goal, that, that, that wild finish in the playoffs that ended up getting them promoted. Yeah, against Leicester. Uh, against Leicester, which was insane. Um, but he looked deep, deeper in that team. Uh, Abdullah, Decore in midfield for for Watford is a player that I really really rate. I think he's a solid he's solid in defense in midfield. He's, he can score goals. He's he's an all around midfielder, and uh, there've been talks about him going elsewhere. I uh, I think he'd be a, a good a good squad player for a, a big six club. Yeah, I, absolutely. I think that, I mean there's been talks about him going to places like PSG, uh, but I, yeah, I think you're right. I think he could. Um, fit in with one of these big clubs as someone who a, a rotational player, and I think he could grow into maybe being the like a first choice uh, type midfielder. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I I agree with your statement about Troy Deeney. He is, um, you think of Watford and you think of Troy Deeney, um, and you know they've they've got they've got a good core of players. And you thought, you know, Marco Silva leaves. They they sacked him. Um, what's next for them? And they've just they've just gotten better and better. And Marco Silva, Marco Silva, yeah. who's at Everton, uh, is six points back of Watford. So, um, good on them to make that decision. Yeah, they've had sort of like a, a similar model to Chelsea, where they've they've fired managers. I think they had a manager finish tenth or. Like early on, they they got rid of him. Another manager did pretty well. They got rid of him. Marco Silva started off really well, faded a little bit. They got rid of him. So they're they're not willing to go back down. It seems, and Javi Grazia has been um, a dream come true this year. Now we move on to Burnley, um, and Burnley. for me, Burnley. The thing I like about Burnley is their. Um, 
you know, there's a there's a couple to go with here, but it's their success despite their uh, despite geography. They're not a long way away from Old Trafford. Um, Burnley is not not very far from Manchester United, and it's got to be hard to you know get fans. Um, you know, it, when they're a, a club in the championship, it's got to be hard to get people, you know, coming out to those games when, you know, like, oh, I, I live kind of in between. Do I, am I going to Old Trafford or am I going to Burnley? Um, but I, also, you know, the, the second thing I would say is kind of uh, the same point I made about Bournemouth, but their their commitment to Sean Dyche is probably even bigger than Bournemouth's to Eddie Howe, considering Sean Dyche brought them up they got relegated. They stuck with him. They brought them up, brought him up again, got him into the Europa League. This season they've struggled. They're they're not completely safe. They're only five points above the drop. Um and there is not even a single thought about parting ways with Sean Deitch. And it's just they know that he is he is the best guy for the job. He knows the club better than any other manager in the world would. Um, so they know he's the best man to try to keep them in the top flight. But um, the the success, despite geography, is the top the top thing for me. Yeah, I think Burnley is like sort of the club. Where it's like you know the town the town empties and shuts down just to go to a Burnley game. Exactly. Like that's their fan base. Uh, if you live outside Burnley, you're probably not supporting Burnley. You're probably supporting one of the other clubs that are nearby. Uh, so it has been admirable what they've been able to do. Um, we're going to stay the same shade of color here. We're going to go to Clarid West and blue. Yeah. Good thing Aston Villa is not in the league. <laughs> yeah. It's get confusing. Um, but I'm going to stick with the colors. And my favorite thing about West Ham are their, are their kits. I think they have a pretty solid home kit this year. Uh, uh, two years ago, they had a solid home kit. In 2015, 2016, they had a really nice home kit and amazing uh, road kit, which was probably one of our favorite uh, uniforms that a team has had in the Premier League. Uh, yeah, it was that, that light blue with the the uh, the bar across the front um, and the sponsor. It was it. Was, uh, very, 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 very good. Looks. Yeah, they they look those those are top flight kits, are they not? They are. They absolutely are. Um. Now, <laughs> you know, like I said, I'm not a big fan of the moves to the London Stadium. It's starting to get it's starting to get better. It was definitely a rocky start for them, but um, West Ham, you know, their captain's been there for. For many years, he's a, a local a local guy. It uh, that's a a good club to like. Um, now we move on the next two. If Claude Puel is listening, cover your ears for this one because you're not gonna like these guys. Um, I have Southampton, and then of course you follow with Leicester. Um, so Southampton, I like that they they kind of know their place in in the setup of English football. They had for years it was one of the uh, one of the best academies, you know, you look at players that have come through the academy at Southampton like Theo Walcott, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, Luke Shaw, Adam Lallana, um, you know, players that have come through and then obviously sold to Liverpool. Um 
Um, so it's it's one thing you know some teams go all out and they spend a lot of money and it doesn't work out for them and it it's a waste of money and the club's financial status is in limbo. Southampton, they're a selling club. They know they're a selling club. And they embrace that. And they do their best because they sell on a guy that uh, came through their academy. And another graduate comes right up and takes a spot. Um, and and that's what I like about them. Yeah, Southampton is really the springboard of the Premier League. Yep. You have like players like Sadio Mane, who have now moved on to Liverpool. Managers like Mauricio Pochettino, who have now moved on to Spurs. Ronald Koeman, who ended up going to Everton, didn't work out, and now he's the uh, Netherlands manager as they research. It's really just like, you're com- you're going to play well here, but it's not going to last long. You're going to go somewhere else on the bigger and better things. Uh, but they've, you know, they've, they've done it a couple of different times. There's been a couple of different cycles of different managers, different players that they've been able to succeed with uh, despite losing uh, excellent talent. Let's take a step back and not, and I, I got to criticize you saying that Netherlands, that the Netherlands have just resurged. They're in the final four. They're in the semifinal of the UEFA Nations League. That's not just a resurgence. That is mass. They have gone from World Cup runners up to the UEFA Nations League semifinals. That just doesn't happen overnight. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, on okay. on to Leicester City. On to Leicester City. Um what I like mo- so Leicester City, I think the coolest thing about Leicester City is obviously what they did uh, a couple years ago by against all odds winning the Premier League, which which allows any club now to feel that they anything's possible, they can do it. Um, obviously, that's not a current thing. I think that's an awesome aspect to have. Like, oh yeah, like Leicester City, they won the league. Like the past three league winners: Manchester City, Chelsea, Leicester City. It makes no sense. Uh, my favorite current thing for them though is is Jamie Vardy. Uh, another, I went with. I talked about Troy Deeney before. I think Jamie Vardy is another player that's just he's good for you know he's good entertainment he's good for a laugh he's he's uh you know great banter i there was a clip there was a clip i saw it was um schmeichel was talking to a player on the other team and jamie Vardy's watching it and he's like confused and then he's like oh danish friends <laughs> yeah i saw that and you, you see jamie Vardy jumping out of the bushes dressed as spider-man um he's just it's he's the the typical rags to riches story um, that you like, and he he made it to the top. He played in the World Cup, uh, although England uh, were terrible in that World Cup, uh, in that for, in that World Cup that he played in. But um, he was underused as well. Yeah, um, you know they they won a game with him up top and then benched him, so it didn't make much sense. But um, I I want to throw in. Uh, one for Leicester City, and just say the togetherness. You know the tragedy where Kundvishai, um passed away in that tragic helicopter accident earlier this season, and that club just it it they did not falter. They were 
they lifted each other up. Um, they had great support from the fan base um, who was standing outside the ground for days paying tribute to, to their owner. Who And, of course, his son is now uh, the top the top dog at the club. But just the, the togetherness in that aspect um, was really great. And it's that ties into um, what I'm going to say about Cardiff City next. Um, and that's their resilience. Another, you know, the a lot, a lot went wrong in in English football this year. And also with the uh, tragedy of Emiliano Sala, um, I the thing I admire most about Cardiff City, even as they sit in the drop zone, is their resilience. Um, it's it's got to be tough to get up and move on after something like this happens. Um, not only do they they spend twenty five million pounds on a on a striker who they hope to come in and keep them up and the plane goes missing. And for a week and a half or two weeks, we just don't know what to expect. The search stops, the search recontinues, and eventually the plane is found at the bed of the ocean. But um, the resilience, their first match back home, um, that massive win, you see Neil Warnock, who at the end of the match, being serenaded by the fans and tears brought to his eyes. Um, And it, it just... The, the way the club has uh, moved on from this and, you know, is still fighting for their lives in the top flight, but um, the way they've moved on from that is is incredible to watch. Yeah, it's been, it's been a, a tragedy-stricken year in the Premier League with those, with those two, two events, awful events happening. Um, and, you know, maybe it's fitting that we had those two uh, one after the other, because I think they both tie into each other uh, directly. Is that they both both clubs have, have really um, have, have have responded well to these situations, and uh, there's been, like you said, a lot of resilience, a lot of togetherness in both in both clubs, and that's something that's it's good to see. Hey, that you have to see it. But you have to, you have to see these clubs sort of deal with this type of stuff, but they've done so uh, valiantly. Um, but on to Crystal Palace. Um, what I like most about Crystal Palace, especially this year, is face back from last year and this year, this team was a team who lost their what was it, their first five opening matches last year without scoring a goal. Uh, what I'm was might it more than more. five? It might have been more than five, actually. Let me all well, keep going. Well, the keep got going. Sacked after four. You, Yes, I think right. Yep. Um, they just seemed like a shoe in for relegation last year. Uh, they ended up bouncing back. They survived, and this year I've seen a lot of fight out of this uh, Crystal Palace team. They've beaten Manchester City. They've given a lot of teams uh, some tough games. They look like they're like a really tough team to beat. They're a scrappy team. Uh, they have players like I like. They have some nice dynamic players like. Uh, Wilfred Zaha, uh, Townsend's had a good year. Uh, it's just a team that I think is fun to watch because I think they they uh, they've shown a lot of fight in there. You know, compared to last year, there hasn't really been any talk of them getting relegated this year. They're in thirteenth place. Um, they seem pretty safe. Yeah, you know, they've just they've just played they've played strong this year. Yeah. Um. So I'm looking at it now. It was seven matches in a row that they lost. Um without scoring a goal, and then, of course, they went on and beat Chelsea 2-1. Um, 
Um, they they lost three nil to Huddersfield, one nil to Liverpool, two nil to Swansea, one nil to uh, Burnley, one nil to Southampton, five nil to Man City, and four nil to Man United before beating Chelsea. Um, but yeah, coming coming back after that, it wasn't until. Um, you know, after the first three matches, they were 19th and they dropped down to 20th after that fourth loss. They stayed in 20th until, uh, match day 15. They didn't get out of the drop zone until match day 18, um, and ended up finishing in 11th. So last year was so tight. I forget how tight last year was. It was like seventh to 19th for like eight points. Up uh-huh. Or like an- anybody could have gone down and you know, the, the appointment of Roy Hodgson was one that no one really agreed with, and it he turned things around. So good on him there. Um, we've got four clubs left, two apiece. Um, my first out of those four is Fulham. Fulham with American owner, self-made, uh, self-made billionaire, a real self-made billionaire. Looking at you, Kylie Jenner. Um. <laughs> we really dive into all the issues on Footy Ado. Um no, 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 but we just got the, we just got the email from from Anchor that our podcast is now available on Pocket Cast, so now Kylie Jenner can finally access it and listen to exactly. us. Exactly. Waiting to do. Uh, so I mean, come on. Um, I like I like what Fulham tried this season. I do. It didn't come off even in the slightest. But I like what they tried to do. They tried to inject money into this club to, you know, make make them a, a more stable club. They they have had financial struggles, which Shot Khan is trying to fix. Um, and Men and Blazers did a, an interview with him at the beginning of the season, which really had me rooting for them. And it just hasn't worked out. But their commitment to Americans is the one thing that I like about the club. Um you know, you've got Tim Ream in the current squad. You had Clint Dempsey for years, and they just have a a history of uh, having a, signing American players, and they they've played big roles for this team. And they're that's everything to like about the club for me. If you're an American fan looking for a club to support in the championship, in the championship next, season. next season, it is Fulham. Yes. Uh, you know, the problem the problem with Fulham is they don't have they don't have like a single they don't have like a, a solid defender in that squad at all. Yeah. Um, uh, it's it kind of a nightmare for them. That's it. it just like yeah. and Sesson Yon hasn't been as as uh, positive as we thought he was going to be coming in. We thought he was going to you know grow to be a star in, in this league. And it just hasn't come off for him, but it's it's been a struggling. They have too many. I think they've they're too top heavy. They they went too much for offensive players and didn't really solidify that defense. Yeah, they're they're uh, basically Arsenal, except on the other side of the table. Right. So okay. if uh, if Wolves and Arsenal had a kid who was really unsuccessful, it's Fulham Football Club. It would be shot. <laughs> My original plan was to, to go with uh, DeAndre Edlin, who's sort of solidified himself as, you know, one of the, he's, a, he's been a solid 
solid fullback for for a Premier League club, which is big for Americans. Can I, uh, can I, I before, before you go, uh, before you go, before you go, can I take a guess? Yes. You're going to say your favorite thing about Newcastle is the best owner in football, Mike Ashley. Mike Ashley. The most, <laughs> it's the most well-run club. Don't read into it at all. Yeah. Um, Just make sure all of your historical facts come from this podcast and everything's true. Mike Ashley, there's no one better than him. But can they please just can he just sell the club for like oh send gosh. it sell it for a pack of Skittles at this point just leave just leave like oh my goodness like it's stop no one wants you there <laughs> I'm sorry to have gotten you off track but you may continue no it's okay um my my favorite thing is Miguel Almiron uh who they just signed who just started playing for them recently they signed him from Atlanta United um. He sort of had a, a meteoric rise to the Premier League. He, he, he got signed by Atlanta United, played there for two seasons. He was the newcomer of the year, his first season at Atlanta. Uh, he made the team of the year and the playoff team of the year last year when they won the MLS Cup in just that, in just that club's second season. And now he's he's made his move to, um, to the Premier League and to Newcastle. And I think it's... It's, that's a great sign. We're seeing a player who played in the MLS, uh, and now it shows that the MLS ha- can can attract some big players. Obviously, he wasn't there for long, but but the fact that this is a player who's who's succeeding is starting to look pretty good. It's only he only played four games for Newcastle, but he's looked pretty bright. Uh, and it's a Newcastle. It's, a, it's I mean, it's a it's an MLS player that they got. That's that's positive. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, root, definitely rooting for him to succeed, because um, that's awesome. Going from Atlanta United to Newcastle United, and you know, still injecting. You know, he's he's a guy who's given it his all, and that's something that the Newcastle fans appreciate. Um, now on to my like, last like, club. Actually, give it all yeah. up. Give it all. <laughs> Just sell the give club. Else. Give it all. Uh, give it all. Else. Just we give. Really just like, donate it. Donate the club. Um, give it to Stan Kroenke. Don't say that. That's not funny. <laughs> um, so, go buy an NFL <laughs> club. Like, go buy an NFL team. Yeah. Like Shad Cobb and Stan Kroenke. Yeah. The successful Jacksonville Jaguars Fulham partnership. Ugh. Um, He is going to need a new job soon with uh, Ricky Foles signing for the Jags uh, pretty soon. But let's stop getting off track, which we're really good at. If there's a reason to listen to this podcast, it's because we get off track. Um, Huddersfield is because of the next two teams we have. Uh, Yeah, definitely. Everyone's favorite Premier League clubs we save for last. Mine, Huddersfield, yours, Brighton. Um, Huddersfield... A team, you know, I said that Southampton, I like them because they know their place. And I like Huddersfield because they refused to take their place as the team that everyone was so excited that they got promoted in the uh, promotion playoff. They won on penalties over Reading, and they said, they're coming up to the Premier League. David Wagner, you got no chance. They are not going to stay in this league, and they did it. They fought through. Second time around, the sophomore slump is real, but they did not. They did not take their place at the bottom where everyone uh, had picked them to be last season. 
Yeah, yeah. It's a shame it didn't last. It's a shame that David Wagner uh, was let go. Um, because I think he did so much for that club. And I think they have to know they're going down regardless. So, I, I mean, I, I don't think that that was the right move because it seems like they're they're gearing up and getting ready for next season in the championship. Whereas I think David Wagner got you out of the championship. I think he'll, he would be able to do a great job uh, next year once you're there. So, but I, maybe it's, maybe it's just, like you said, that refusal to, to be where people want you to be. Maybe, maybe this move, they were expecting a positive result from it. Maybe they're expecting to try and like fight to claw out of there, uh, which you have to, you have to show respect to them for that. And on to the easiest team to pick something for, right? Brighton. Brighton, uh, now you picked Huddersfield. So that you didn't have to do Brighton. Yeah. Uh, for, literally, for um, no other reason did I pick Huddersfield. Um, I mean, come on. Brighton's got the the Amex Stadium. They've got Glenn Murray. They're the Seagulls. The Seagulls. I mean, they're, they're in a, I mean, I would I would not mind being a Brighton fan, living in Brighton on the coast in England. Uh, what I went with. I'm sure we can build it up as much as we want, and no matter what, it is going to be anticlimactic. My favorite thing about Brighton are the names of some of the players. <laughs> I love that. I, I love the direction you went there. Uh, Pascal Gross. How what? Lewis Proper, Dunk. Solly March. You got Anthony Knockhart, not Knockhart, Knockhart. <laughs> there's a guy. I don't know if I'm saying his first name right. Aiton Bomb. It's an incredible team. It really is. There's some, yeah, there are some solid names uh, in this team, and that, that is by far my favorite part about Brighton. Good old Florin and Don. It's not even close. I don't even know what would be my second favorite thing about Brighton. Atlanta Falcons quarterback Matt Ryan and goal. Um, <laughs> even Bruno. <laughs> yeah. Um, Iscierdo. It's just uh, I I really I I understand uh, where he went there, um, and I respect I respect the honesty. I'm looking through right now. I don't know that he's getting any playing. Listen, I'm I'm not a I'm not a Brighton uh, expert, but Dan Byrne is a name that I wish I was born with. Davy Proper, Sally Marsh, I'd take those names in a heartbeat. Right? I don't even know how to spell, or I like, I know how to spell it. I don't know how to write out Pascal Gross. <laughs> uh, yeah. Pascal Grob. <laughs> next next uh, episode, uh, the Footy Ado podcast is going to be hosted by Sally Marsh and Dan Byrne. <laughs> and I'm completely okay with that. Um. So, to close off, do you have a delusion of the week, or are we... Uh, going to save that for next week all right i do have a delusion of the week all right let's hear it Uh, my delusion of the week so this this came in stages because i almost lost my delusion of the week it's it's kind of weird that your delusion of the week that the is that the only thing you found to like about brighton was their players names (laughs) Uh, thank you all folks that is the funny a new podcast (laughs) now my delusion of the week seeing as we're talking about the premier league I believe that a Premier League team 
not named Manchester City will win the Champions League this season. More specifically, I believe Manchester United are going to win the Champions League this season. So I saw today that it was, you know, 2016 Liverpool lose Europa League final, 2017 Man United win the Europa League final. 2018 Liverpool lose the Champions League final, Manchester United. So so you're saying there's a chance. Um, Oh, yeah. So in what order... Do you, would you say it's most likely? Now, I know you said United first, but uh, then if you had to uh, pick between the rest of the English clubs left, who do you think is most likely? Am I counting? I'm counting Manchester City. Yeah, throw, throw Man City back in the mix. We know you have Man United right. at one. but United, City, Tottenham, Liverpool. What about a, uh, a, Manchester, a Manchester Derby in the final? That would be pretty crazy. I, you know, I'd like to see, I'd like to see a Manchester derby in in the semifinal. Um, so let's yeah, keep. I, I let's, like, I like the final to be different clubs, different, different leagues. Sorry, you like yeah. the, you like the final to be different clubs. Interesting. It should be, two different, it should be a practice between. It should you, be a practice between what, a squad A and squad B. You don't want to want it to be Barca and Barca B. Exactly. Interesting. That that. Right there is a delusion. I don't know why you had to give us two. Could have saved that one for next week, but um, <laughs> I don't think you're going to be right. Well, that's why they call it a delusion. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think it's the most delusional thing we're going to hear on this podcast. Is that a delusion okay. in itself? Maybe. Probably. Who knows? But um, I think that Man City have a far better shot at winning the league and the Champions League than Man United do at winning the Champions League. Um, I understand what they did against PSG, but PSG are top-level bottlers. Um, the past six years, starting from six years ago in the Champions League, they made it to the quarterfinal. The next year, they made it to the quarterfinal. The next year, they made it to the quarterfinal. The next year, they made it to the round of 16. The next year, they made it to the round of 16. And this year, they made it to the round of 16 and got no further. They are spending... They In that time, I'm pretty confident they've spent nearly $2 billion on players. And they can't get even to a semifinal. So... I am impressed with what United did. I do think that Ali Gunnar Solskjaer should get the job permanently, but I don't see him winning the Champions League. But I do think that Manchester United lifts the FA Cup this season, so they don't go trophyless. Yeah, yeah, I think that. They're, I mean, it's 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 that uh, that Ali Gunnar Solskjaer, dude. It's gonna be like it's gonna be similar. I. Like I'm tipping it to be kind of like what uh, Chelsea did with uh, Roberto Di Matteo. I get they, it. Yeah, they you know they sacked their manager and Di Matteo went. Uh, you know, they sacked the manager that went on to win the Champions League. He was sacked the next year. That's, I could have taken it. Further. That's how they so, did. Like I said, I had stages to my delusion, which was for like stage one: an English team not named Manchester City is going to win the. <laughs> the Champions League because I had to start scrambling to think about one because 
Uh, once once PSG scored yesterday, I was like, I need to change my, I need to uh, revise my uh, my delusion. But since they won, I was like, all right, Manchester Manchester United is is going to win. That's my delusion. And then if I could take it even further, it would be Manchester United are going to win the Champions League, and Ali Gunnar Solskjaer will not be manager next season. I don't think he. I don't think that's even possible. I don't think he can have a manager do that and then not not give him the job permanently. But I'm happy he scaled it down, because yeah. if we're starting to make calls like that, then people just aren't going to listen. Yeah, that is true. Which might be true either way. Yeah, possibly. Our first podcast did pretty good, right? Did all right. <laughs> Let's. <laughs> Let's not get into the numbers and bore the fans, all right? That's not what they're here for. Um, wait, till now, wait till this one's on Pocket Cast. <laughs> this one's going to be on Pocket Cast, which means we might get a whole 10 listeners. But It's probably not good that we talk bad about podcasting platforms. Yeah, it's not, it's not great for the podcast. Um, but the thing I have to say about that is what are you going to do? Next week, we're back to our regularly scheduled programming of Premier League talk and reaction to matches. Of course, this was a different week with uh, vacation looming. So uh, we're going to we're gonna sign off here, but Jared, I will see you in uh, just a few days. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Follow penalty. Oh, my gosh. Follow the penalty no. spot. Oh, no. Uh, it's like riding a bike. Follow uh, at Footy Adieu at on uh, both Twitter and Instagram, and keep keep. We're gonna keep you updated on whether when we get posted onto Spotify and Apple Podcasts, so it'll be easier for you to listen. Uh, once that gets up there, please rate, review, subscribe, and keep listening in. Uh, Footy Adieu, delusional soccer podcast. <laughs>